The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, if I'm running a test, I will eat said food or said meal and just not do anything with a delayed bolus. So I take my insulin for the carbohydrate, eat the meal, then don't do anything for the next two, three hours just to see the impact that amount of protein has on my blood sugar. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. <laughs> Welcome back to the Inslow Podcast. It is always my pleasure to have you on. Me and Graham are laughing here because I feel like every intro is just interrupted now by something stupid. But anyway, <laughs> we were laughing because I just sneezed and it was a completely over-the-top, overly exaggerated sneeze. And then we were speaking about, what did you say, Graham? It, would sneezing should, impact your blood sugar? Maybe we should do an episode on how sneezing impacts your blood sugar. So, so, so then I said, it's actually gotten to the stage now where I wouldn't even be surprised because everything just affects your blood sugar. So sneezing, another, an episode on sneezing is going to be out shortly. People aren't talking enough about it. And that's why we're here. We need to sprinkle some pepper underneath your nose and then check your bloods immediately afterwards. Finger prick you. <laughs> just go to what? 20 or something Digital fluid right that's <clears throat> there's a voice crack did you did you well you obviously listened to it remember the episode that i did that i did with ben zeal recently yeah did you hear yeah. the amount of voice cracks i had in that episode yeah you started the episode immediately on a voice crack which did was I, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like here we go it's gonna, I, be, it's gonna be one of those episodes <laughs> i remember halfway through it was like my fifth or sixth voice crack and i was just like ben you're making me nervous you're making me nervous it's just one of those days ben was a legend <clears throat> one of those days excellent yeah. episode excellent. by the way yeah. yeah such a legend and if you haven't checked out ben zeal also his his Instagram handle, Man of Zeal. I thought Insulone was good, but Man of Zeal. Amazing. Yeah. I have such appreciation for somebody who has a really solid Instagram name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love it. A really, really nice guy. Me and Ben were actually speaking to each other for a long time before we even press record. And then a long, <clears throat> there's some voice crack. 
a long a long a long time (laughs) after we finished recording really nice guy just an expert in what he does knows his diabetes inside out um and a a re like another conversation that i got so much from i love it's almost like a like it's almost like a selfish thing for me I feel recording some of those episodes because I learn so much from all these types of people too you know it directly or indirectly benefits my own management and my own understanding which we're all about on this podcast so I always love those types of conversations right we're going to do an Instagram question box where Owen puts up an Instagram question box on his Instagram at Insel Owen. You put in a little question and we try and get through a, as many as we can in an episode. We got a good few ones here mm-hmm. today. So let's kick off with kangaroo underscore Jack, which great name. Speaking of Instagram so handles. There you go. <laughs> do you struggle with management anytime you eat out? Oh, excellent question. Short answer, yes. Long answer, let me get into it. <laughs> right. So for me, and it's funny actually because we were only speaking about this recently in our Type 1% program about kind of managing bloods during unpredictable periods, managing bloods around travel, you know, stress, shift work, eating out, all these different things. And for me... When it comes to eating out at a restaurant or getting takeaway food, it's it's always going to be different to food that you make at home yourself. Because the reality of it is, when you make food at home yourself, you can know exactly what's in it. So when you know exactly what's in the food that you're you're making, you can look at the carb intake, you can look at the fat, you can look at the protein. So you, you can have a very, very clear and accurate understanding of what am I eating? How much insulin do I need? And how should I go about taking this insulin? Do I need a free bolus? Do I need a split bolus? Do I need a delayed bolus? Whatever it might be. Now, when it comes to eating out, when it comes to takeaway food, restaurant food, even eating a snack or whatever it is on the go, where you don't know what's in it, there's always an element of guessing involved, always. Because how can you know exactly what's in the food that you're getting at a restaurant? How can you know exactly what's in the pizza that you get from Domino's or whatever it might be? So the way I always look at it with with restaurant food and takeout food and these kind of things is, yes, we can absolutely have an approach. We can have a system or plan in place to accommodate for these types of meals and these types of restaurant foods. But there's always a certain percentage that will be a guess. There's always an element of guessing. So what I say is when I'm eating out, I can look at the choice of food that I I make, like what am I deciding to have? My insulin strategy, which is essentially how much insulin I decide to take, If I'm splitting it, the time in which I'm taking those splits, the order in which I eat my food, but then also that remainder percent of what I call acknowledge and accept. And what I mean by acknowledge and accept, it's basically when I go out for a meal or when I order in food, 
if I'm sitting down to a restaurant food, or if, if I'm sitting down to a meal at a restaurant, and it's a massive big burger, it's a load of chips, onion rings, whatever it is, there has to be some level of acknowledgement and acceptance around the fact that because I have almost no idea what's actually in this accurately, before I even take my first bite, I need to accept the fact that my blood sugar may do something that I don't expect it to. Because <laughs> this, and this is something that you need to be honest with yourself from time to time. The reality of it is, if I sit down to a chicken salad at home that I've made myself and then sit down to a Domino's pizza, they're two completely different meals. They require two completely different strategies around my insulin. And the reality of it is, if you're sitting down to a Domino's meal deal, you have to pretty much acknowledge and accept in advance that your blood sugar is going to be more difficult to manage than if you were to eat a chicken salad. I'm not saying I want you to eat a chicken salad. I'm just using that as the example. So like I said, short answer, do I struggle with restaurant food? Yes, but I can make it so much easier for myself based on my decisions, based on my understanding, and based on essentially discipline around how am I going to eat, how am I going to strategize my insulin, and how I'm going to essentially accept or acknowledge in advance. So to give you an example, I know this is all just kind of like um, thought process stuff. But for me, what I always do is if I'm having a big meal at a restaurant that I don't really know what's in it, what I do personally is whenever I see a food or a meal, I just like boom, 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 almost instinctively have a thought of this is how much insulin I need. Because I'm at a restaurant or because I'm eating a takeaway meal, I will automatically add on at least 20% additional insulin to that dose that I've kind of automatically calculated in my head because it's restaurant food, because it's takeaway food. So essentially that gives me the ability to decide on this is the total amount of insulin that I'm taking. Then I decide on, you know, is this really high in fat? Is this really high in protein? Do I need a split bolus? Am I expecting a delayed spike? So then I'll decide on if I'm splitting that total dose, what's the split going to be and what time am I going to take those splits at? Usually it's going to be a pre-bolus two hours after I finish the meal and then probably another an hour and a half, two hours after that again. So it's like insulin dose intervals essentially to counteract any expected delayed spike. Now, what I also like to do is focus on my choice of food. So if I increase veg or I focus on my protein, those themselves are going to help blood sugar naturally anyway. And one of the main issues when it comes to restaurant food for people, it's like, I can't pre-bolus because I don't know when the food's coming out, which is a completely valid statement to make. And that's where some of the difficulty can lie because you don't know when it's going to come out. It can be a bit nerve-wracking or it can be a bit nerve-wracking to take insulin when you're not entirely sure when your food's going to be ready. So what I always like to do is, and again, this is me, I'm not saying you have to do this. What I like to do is if I'm unsure of how much insulin I need 
or if I'm unsure of when my meal is going to come out and I can only make a decision to pre-bolus with X amount of insulin when I actually see the meal, I wait until it comes out. But when it comes out, that gives me the ability to make these choices around pre-bolus, insulin dose, split, bolus, etc. But what I do, instead of saying, you know what, my food's here, I'm just going to eat it, don't need a pre-bolus. Me, personally, I do not eat unless I've pre-bolused, regardless of the situation. My food will come out, I will decide my insulin, I'll take my first dose if there is potentially going to be multiple. But instead of eating my food too quickly, I will have a side salad, which I will eat first, which essentially acts as my pre-bolus time. Mm. So because I can only take insulin when I actually see the meal itself, so I can judge how much insulin I need, I take my insulin when I see the meal, then I eat a side salad that doesn't require insulin. Hopefully that takes 10, 15-ish minutes. Then when my pre-bolus has run its course, I will start eating. So that helps with the initial spike. It helps with my understanding and accuracy around how much insulin I think I need because I've actually seen the meal. And then I have clarity around, okay, this is the total dose I'm taking. This is the pre-bolus. This is the mid-bolus, whatever, if you want to put it that way. And then the last one potentially will be a couple hours after that again. So that's how I approach it. Now, again, and I think I've said this in a podcast recently, when I speak those decisions out loud, when I actually articulate them and kind of go through them on this podcast, for example, it sounds like a lot, all these different things to consider. But all these things are done in my head automatically. So it actually sounds like more work than it is, right? But that's generally how I would approach it. But even with that sort of system in place, I still have to be aware of the fact that because I am eating a food or a meal that I have absolutely no idea what's in it, I have a good judgment based off previous experience or just overall understanding around nutrition. But there's always going to be an element of guessing. So I need to, in advance of that meal, accept and acknowledge the fact that if my blood sugar goes high, it's not a massive surprise. Or if I go low, it's not a massive surprise. Because the room for error when it comes to your insulin dose and the food that you eat can be quite large, particularly if you're eating a much larger meal that's higher in carbs, higher in fat, higher in protein. So good tips there, Owen. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, and I especially love this, this very simple tip of waiting for your food to come out to see it and use your side salad as your time buffer, essentially. So you're not sitting there looking at your food. You are still eating your food. And the salad, as you says, doesn't affect it. So really good. And one of the things about that is that will come down to like what you want to do. Some people might listen to me saying that and be like, is he mad? Your food's going to go cold or whatever it might be. Or I don't want to sit there when other people are listening. Like, or sorry, when other, <laughs> other people are eating their food and I'm waiting. That will be your decision you decide on whether or not you want to do it. I'm just saying, from for me personally, I have no issues at all sitting there 
having a conversation with people, watching them eat <laughs> while I wait for my insulin. Because the reality of their food and the impact that it has on them is completely different to the reality of my food and the impact that it can have on me. So I will always wait for a pre-bolus. That's just what I will do. Next up, we have Alan, who is a massive follower of the podcast and of your page uh, and emails quite a lot. He's a legend. Alan asks, how do you dose for protein? Do you use a formula? Oh, is that Alan Edwards? That's Alan. I love Alan Edwards. Alan, thank you as always. Um, the engagement and the support around, po- on the, around the podcast is always a second to none. So we appreciate you. So again, another good question. And it's actually something that we covered in great detail in the program recently. Again, yes, there's absolutely a formula that I use. So the thing about it is when it comes to protein and fat, oftentimes we're told carb count, carb count, carb count, carb count. Of course, we need the carb count, but protein and fat can and will have an impact on your blood sugar. So for me, basically the formula that I use personally, I know for me that if I'm having a meal, that's usually about 40 grams of protein or less. I don't really need to pay attention to it. Whereas if I have a meal that's 50 grams of protein or more, I do need to pay attention to it. And this is a very simplistic way to go through it because we're not going to go into it in massive detail. But basically, how I go about covering really high-protein meals, the vast majority of the time, if I have a meal that's 50 grams of protein or more, per 50 grams of protein, I generally require one unit of insulin. But that one unit of insulin is taken at a later time after the meal because I won't see the spike from the protein itself until about an hour and a half, two hours after I finish the meal. So basically, if I'm, what did I have recently? I had, so this was actually a personal test that I had ran over, I think I did three days in a row just to test this out in detail because I wanted to kind of recalculate what I actually needed for protein doses and these kind of things. But the meal that I used, it was two bagels and chicken, and I kept it relatively low in fat. The total protein, I think, was about 106 grams in the meal, so it was really, really high protein. And the carbohydrate, I think, was uh, about 90 grams or something. But the fat was kept really low, so I knew it wouldn't have too much of a of, of an impact with that kind of delayed spike just from the fat but the protein itself would so i ran this test three days in a row and basically what i do is if i'm running a test i will eat said food or said meal and just not do anything with a delayed spike or a delayed bolus i should say so I take my insulin for the carbohydrate, eat the meal, then don't do anything for the next two, three hours just to see the impact that amount of protein has on my blood sugar. Now, again, I went into this in in much more detail within our program, but essentially the results and it, it concluded that for a meal that's, as I said, 50 grams of protein or more, I generally require a delayed bolus of insulin about an hour and a half or two hours after I finish the meal, which is one unit of insulin per 
50-ish grams of protein. You're looking at me, Graham, as if I have two heads. <laughs> no, I find find interesting what you're using yourself. No, you've said in the past, but as a scientific experiment, I like to. I ran the. I ran it for three days, mm. and I, I love it. But you're not just running it in a lab; you're running it on yourself. I just find that really interesting. Yeah, it's you funny. Do, as well. You do it so no one else has to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm taking one for the team. Even with that, of course, like the reality of it is how I digest food, how food impacts me is going to be different to somebody else. But it's a good way, obviously, for me to greatly understand the impact of certain types of foods and amounts of foods on myself, but also gives you a, a general understanding and, and certain approach that other people can follow and test to mm. understand their own in more detail. So when you say, so protein spikes the blood later than carbohydrates would. So are you 100%. taking, so at the beginning when you're taking that meal, you're taking, you've kind of in your head, you've separated. I'm taking my insulin from my carbs now. So I'm taking X, whatever my carbohydrate to insulin ratio is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even considering the protein until two hours later because I know that's going to spike then. So you, So when you say you're splitting your doses, you're also kind of splitting it different food groups and stuff like that. 100%, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, after the 150 ever many episodes, that's kind of, I never, I never knew that. When you said you're splitting your doses, I just thought it was all combined. Now I get it is all combined because it's the same meal, but you're literally splitting your doses for the different food groups. Of course, yeah. Um, it's very interesting. It's a very, very interesting way to look at it. Yeah. You can split your insulin dose for food groups, as in like your, your carbohydrate, your protein, your fat, but also the different amounts of each can have a different impact. The example that I always think of, if you have something like a Domino's pizza, like that's going to be ultra high in carbohydrate, super high in fat. So that level of fat, you may see your blood sugar be impacted for hours after. Where you just And that's why somebody might have a pizza, for example, and their blood sugar would just like climb and 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 climb like hours into the night. And they're thinking, why is my blood sugar just going so high consistently? And the vast majority of the time, it will come down to the fact that it was super high in carbohydrates, super high in fat. Yeah. I know that, and I know the pizza effect, but I didn't realize it was the same for other types of food as well, how it comes a lot more delayed. That's really interesting. I'm very conscious. I know we've got more questions, but I'm conscious that there has been a lot of information over the last 20 or so minutes. I and I don't want to kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it by adding another question in there because I feel like there's such really good information and a lot of different timings and calculations and all that. So even though we're probably a lot shorter in time in terms of this episode, I think there was a lot of information in this one. So mm. will we kind of call it on those two questions? We'll save some of the other questions for again, because two very loaded answers to two great questions there. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, we yeah. don't want to bombard yeah. the, li- the listener with all sorts of information to potentially make them feel overwhelmed. That's the complete opposite that we want from the podcast. So yeah, let's leave it at that. Maybe we'll do a part two, three, four, five, six, seven, yep. eight, nine, ten. Absolutely. Perfect, Owen. Nice one. Hope you got some value from that. Hope it uh, gives you a bit of clarity around the different types of foods and how you may potentially require different amounts of insulin at different times to counteract those foods themselves. As always, have a good day. Have a good week. Look after your blood sugar. 
take care. Chat to you soon. Graham, good luck.